0: This is where they make
1: their mark. This is the time where you've got to turn the table, you've got to take advantage and ride this wave in this momentum. A goal from your man. Catch that if you
0: can Hello there and welcome to the Match Preview Podcast. Callum Williams, as always, alongside former golfer, Soccer star Kendra D. St. Orbin. Lots to talk about. Lots to talk about. Uh, The good, the bad, the ugly, the significant, the frustrating, all of the above. Um, So let's start, Kendra, first of all, with what we saw against Austin FC. Uh, Before we focus on on individuals, let's talk about the team as a whole. Um, No doubt there were positives, but against Austin FC, at home at Allianz Field, it simply wasn't good enough, was it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's one of those things where we're once again sort of scratching our head and you and I are trying to sort of get it together for the post-game show um, of that match because you're trying to figure out how to break that down. How do you analyze what you just saw? How do you put words to what you're you're sort of flabbergasted by? And I think we're not the only ones. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, the talking heads, the pundits, whoever follows soccer that thought Minnesota United would finish, you know, quite possibly – third, fourth, second in the Western Conference, um, just on your preseason expectations and looking at this roster and the abilities and what they did in 2020. But instead, you know, there's three games now where you can see similar things in each game and different things from each game. I think the, the constant has been that they can't score goals. Um, and I think that's a problem area uh, for Adrian Heath and this club going forward, because a couple of the games, it was about creating chances, but not finishing Austin. I mean, what was it? 17 shots, um, two on goal. So still, but not as much as the rail Salt Lake game where you were absolutely just hammering them and, and couldn't put one away. But I think this is one of those things that now it's about confidence to me. It's about motivation. It's about finding the willingness to get out there on the road now in Colorado and, put it all together and the willingness to not lose. There has to be an attitude that you cannot lose this game. And that is a mentality that has to come from this club. that has to come from this staff. that has to come from its players. Austin stretched Minnesota United. They didn't seem to have any answers. Um, They didn't seem to have any solutions in the final third. Um, and it just, it just looked like you had a team in Austin that is an expansion club that came into your home and sort of rode roughshod on Minnesota United for the, what, 70 minutes maybe, 75 maybe, where you saw some sparks and glimpses late in the second half when some substitutions were made. But ultimately, Austin had the better run of play, and it felt like they were on their home turf, and they kind of decided the way this game was going to go from the opening whistle, and that was kind of – disheartening, I think, for a club that was searching for their first win.
0: There was, there was no surprise there, was there, Kay? I mean, we spoke on this very podcast a few days before the match, and we'd said that they are a transitional team. They're a little bit more direct than, than perhaps most are comfortable dealing with. So why did it go so wrong for Minnesota United? What, was it down to individual errors again?
1: Well, I think that Chase Gasper didn't have his best match Um, again. You know, I think that's a couple games in a row now. So if we're talking about individual errors, but for the most part on other parts of the pitch, I thought um, from a back line standpoint, I actually thought they played really well. I thought um, Yuka Raitala played much better, looked so much more comfortable. I know I said this in the broadcast, looked more aggressive, looked more confident. I don't know if that's more about the partnership with Michael Boxlow, getting some more minutes there, his willingness to step up, to be aggressive, but um, I thought Ozzy Alonzo looked really good considering he'd only played 26 minutes coming into the match and his age. And he looked a, a little bit slow in the other games where he came in as a substitute. I don't know if that's sitting on the sideline and then stepping into a match and trying to find the pace. Um, I think Hassani Dotson is underutilized in the position that he is playing where he's a little bit more on the wing. He's not a one v one take take-it-to-the-end line kind of a player. He needs to tuck inside and help Reynoso. I thought Ramon Avila didn't move and provide nearly enough um, from an attacking perspective. Let's not even talk about scoring goals, just like making himself available. So could we pick apart little instances and in individual aspects of the game? You know, Ethan Finley missed another one that he, he should have buried in the first half. Emmanuel Renoso hits a post. He looked like he was maybe dealing with some cramping or something. Then as the game wore on, I think he got a little bit disinterested because he was frustrated. He was frustrated with the lack of possession. So I don't think it was as much individual as it was that collectively they just didn't look like they were necessarily ready to handle the game plan that Austin was bringing and the style of play that Austin was bringing in which we knew they were going to bring. And you said it. We talked about it on the podcast. We saw it clear as day in the Colorado game. Maybe not so much Austin against LAFC, but Austin against Colorado. I think it was pretty clear how Austin was going to play. And they came in here and they were just allowed to do it. And they were just allowed to do it. And I felt, it felt like like there wasn't a discussion about how to stop what Austin was going to bring. And um, Josh Wolf had a plan and executed it, and Minnesota didn't have an answer. And I think that's where, again, when you and I break down the game and we analyze and we talk after and we talk at halftime, it's tough to say what they needed to do differently because it felt like they didn't have necessarily the right plan for going into the match. Does that make any sense? I know I just rambled a lot and I talked about some individuals, but ultimately it looked like cohesively they didn't have a way to stop the – the attack coming from the wings, coming from the outside backs, coming from there. It didn't come through the middle as much. It came from the wings. And it, it just felt like, you know, they were almost a man up throughout the match.
0: One continue, a continuation and a consistent theme for Minnesota remains their obvious troubles in front of goal. And again, we have to say again, it is just three games in. There's 31 games left in the regular season for Minnesota United. So there is time to figure this out. But when you have, what was it, 53 shots, nine shots on target and the one goal to show for the efforts, it, it does make you wonder where things are going wrong because clearly Minnesota have the creative pieces to make opportunities. Otherwise, they wouldn't be getting inside the box and they wouldn't be able to execute the 53 shots. Ramon Abila came in for his, his first start for Minnesota United, Kindred, you touched on it briefly there. It, it's, it's difficult for us to analyse because we know he's not fit. Adrian Heath came in and, and admitted that to us and, and admitted to the press on Friday that Ramon Avila, he'd be surprised if he got 60 minutes from him, which he got there or thereabouts from him. Um, we, we've yet to see the true version of Ramon Avila. Um, and it's safe to say he, look, let's, let's not tiptoe around it, he, he didn't impress on his full debut.
1: Yeah, and I think you know I said this to you um, when we've been off air and had conversations. Is uh, there's different ways I think to impress as a new teammate? Of course, scoring goals is hands down. If you're that you're the number nine that was brought in to do that, and a lot was made of him coming from Boca and having played with Emanuel Reynoso, and is there going to be a connection there and um, the chemistry? But The other way you can impress when you're not doing that, when you're not scoring goals, or maybe you're not getting the ball in the box in a position to score is working hard. And, you know, I've always been a firm believer in that, that you making yourself available, you know, working hard defensively, helping out your teammates, holding the ball when you need to, when your back line or your midfield has been under so much pressure, they finally get the ball out. And sometimes they have to release it for a a 50-50 to clear the pressure. But you can get in, you can hold it, and then it's your job to start the attack in that position. And Avila has that big body where he should be able to do that. I didn't see any of that. I saw one of those situations where you're a forward or you're a target player, and if the ball doesn't find your foot exactly on your toe, you're not going to make the effort to get there. You're not going to make the effort to make that run. You're not going to make the effort to then win the ball back when it gets turned over. And I think that that's going to start to – you know, kind of grind on guys to grind on his teammates because they need that in this moment when they are, we're 0-2 heading into the game, now 0-3, you need that little bit of extra effort. And then guys are going to be more willing to work to get you the ball, to find you the ball, to find you in those spaces, to get you the proper service. And and we've heard it time and time again, and you've watched Abila play. When he gets service in the box, when he has the ball in the box, on the edge of the 18 or thereabouts, he can be dangerous. We saw it in Seattle. He had two touches and they were two shots. He can be dangerous. We saw it against Austin, that little ticky-tack combination with Reynoso, and Reynoso hits the post. Beautiful effort in tight space between the two. But he's got to put in the effort and outside of those moments when the ball isn't on his foot to – make it work and I just didn't see enough of that from him um in his first start for this club and in front of the home crowd I mean so many times we've seen players brought into this league and into Minnesota United that the second they step on the pitch all they want to do is prove that they were worth the money and worth the time for the club to bring in and I just didn't see that from Ramon Avila um and I, I hope it changes and I hope we can he can find his form and he can find his fitness and in Minnesota United can, the players can find him in the right pockets of space at the right time, but he's got to do some of that work on his end.
0: An individual who started out of position again for Minnesota was Hassani Dotson on that left-hand side. Um, I agree with your assessment in the sense that he was near invisible the left-hand side, I thought, and then eventually when the changes were made and he did come inside to the centre of midfield, it was like Minnesota United had a new player brought in, in terms of into the centre of midfield. One would assume against Colorado, and we'll get into the Rapids here shortly, but one would assume that that's where he would start, that's where he would play, because it's obvious, isn't it now, Kendra, that and not that that was ever a debate. But it's so obvious that Hassani Dotson is so much more effective from the center of midfield.
1: A hundred times over. And I, I, I assumed that going into the Austin game. I assumed that if, if they needed to find goals, to win games, to create offense, that Hassani Dotson would be playing more centrally. Because that is where he is best. And when he is at his best, he is going to make the team better. And that is ultimately what they want. That is ultimately what Adrian Heath and this staff would or should or, or you know, th- that's what they need. That's what they want from him. So in the first two seasons, we've talked about him being a utility player. He can play right back. He can play holding mid. He could play center back if you stuck him there. He can play left back. He can play anywhere you ask him to play. But those were because those were out of necessity at that moment. Literally, your right back was gone. Now this is about what is best for the team and what is best for Hassani Dotson is what's best for the team. It's a a hand-in-hand situation for me. They need the creativity. They need the goal-scoring threat. They need his ability to break lines, to find the pass, to draw the defender and slot the ball through, to have an outlet and a combination with Emmanuel Reynoso where both players can keep the ball and are smart and wise and, and know where to make the runs. They they need all of that from Hassani Dodson and he can't do it when what I'm going to call it is on the wing. I know that's not necessarily what the staff may call it, but I'm going to call it on the wing. And he is not a one v one get to the line type of a player. He is a centrally tuck-in and create type of a player, but has the ability to go at defenders when he's central, to draw a defender in, to beat a defender, to pass it off, to shoot from distance. He is a goal-scoring threat. He's a passing threat. And they need that from him. And that, that is how they are going to win games. And that's how they're going to score goals. And um, and I'm not going to say they owe it to Hassani Dodson. I mean, he's done whatever the club has asked him. And when I interviewed him last week for the radio pregame show, I asked him specific, specifically about playing that position. And you know what Hassani's answer was? I'm going to do whatever I need to do to play that position to the best of my ability. I'm going to study other players. I'm going to study others that do that. I'm going to study others that play that position. He will do whatever he can to be on the pitch. And that is the attitude that you want. But ultimately, if they want to win games and find goals, in my opinion, he needs to be more central.
0: concentrate on the positives before we focus on Colorado Rapids, Um, when the youngsters came on, the likes of McMaster, and in particular Patrick Ware, Foster Langsdorff as well, uh, was given an opportunity. Um, I thought they all gave Minnesota energy. They gave them a spark. They gave them a little bit of hope. Um, also, you mentioned as well, Juka Reitler looked a lot more comfortable as well. So despite starting 0-3 for the first time in in the club's MLS history, despite there being obvious issues... There are lots of positives moving forward, Kendra. And I do wonder as well, in terms of the game against Colorado, if we do see some of these young players given an opportunity, but no doubt they gave Minnesota the spark um, that they were looking for against Austin FC late in the game.
1: You know what Patrick Way looked like to me when he stepped on the pitch was, you know, the naivety of it, that that he he, he wasn't, overthinking it. He was just excited to be out there and sometimes when you're naive about the situation, it's a benefit to you. Because if you think too much about it and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I'm 17 years old. I'm stepping on the pitch. It's a home field. My, you know, my family, whoever's here watching, whatever it might be, and I'm getting an opportunity when in a close game to make a difference, you might Overthink it and almost paralyze yourself, you know, paralysis by analysis. Instead, he just looked out there. He's making the runs. He's going into every tackle, every challenge. We saw Justin McMaster now do that two games in a row. He did the same thing against Real Salt Lake where he was going in on David Ochoa on the keeper. Didn't care. Just do what you know you can do and do it well. And I love seeing that from Patrick Way. That header was phenomenal. He had a couple other opportunities where he's putting himself in a dangerous position inside the box to get on the end of things, the willingness to do it. And Justin McMaster, I think, continues to impress. I just think... His calmness on the ball, essentially, it reminds me a little bit of a Hassani Dotson in his rookie season, where you just you have the confidence in yourself, you know what you can do, and you step on the pitch and you do it. And so that is a definite bright spot from those two. I think it, it tells you a little something, though, about the current situation that the club is in, that Patrick Waya is getting those kind of minutes in a game like that. That they are trying to find the goals, that they are giving others an opportunity. Um, Justin McMaster, I think we'll see him more regularly. But um, yes, definite bright spots. And I don't want to be all negative, Nancy, on on the podcast because there are bright spots. And I will tell you this: I don't want to, I don't, you know, want Minnesota United to be known as the club. Well, while well, they work hard, you know, but they they it wasn't for a lack of effort in that game that they didn't find the result. I mean, Roma Metzaniere making those runs down the sideline for. 90 plus minutes of that match, never gave up on the overlapping runs that, you know, there are Michael Boxall, you know, running across both sides of the box to defend. So there, there wasn't a lack of effort, which we've seen at times before, you know, depending on the schedule and and what's going on, you know, in that moment. But this, this was just a lack of cohesion and creativity and finishing in the final third that everybody just doesn't seem to be on the same page. And then you start to see the body language, the slumping of the shoulders, the frustration level the throwing up your hands just just a different sense from the club where they're not buzzing around and confident so it's some absolute bright spots and just hopefully they go to Colorado wipe the slate, slate clean fresh start and get a win in a difficult place to get a win
0: okay before we go to break uh, next up we'll hear from Marcelo Balboa the color analyst of Colorado Rapids in the next segment in terms of changes Kendra Because the way that we've seen Adrian Heath operate over the past couple of years at Minnesota United, often he doesn't change a winning team. Minnesota have yet to win. So one would assume there would be an adjustment or two. If if you're in charge of things, what changes would you make and why?
1: Two things for me here is it's a double-edged sword because, you know, I understand when you're winning, why Adrian doesn't change things, but also I understand that you can't just change it every game when you're losing because you also have to find some sort of rhythm with some of your pieces right depending on who's healthy so you need to find a rhythm there needs to be something established there to be for some of these guys to work through the issues to find the creativity and the and the chemistry i think do i think there should still be some changes yes and i think that some of it's just based on personnel available i would bring robin reload back in if he's healthy absolutely hands down i would talk Hassani inside i would take um I would take Ozzy Alonzo out. I think it might be a lot to ask him to play that many minutes in back-to-back matches. Um, I would put Hassan centrally, and I would probably bring Jan back in. Um, I think if you – then that would be the odd man out would be Ethan Finley, unless you put Robin back up top and he's your false number nine, and then you play – you know, I don't know, man, that's, that's a tough challenge because I think Hassani needs to be in. I don't know right now who the best number nine is for this club. Honestly, I'm really struggling with that. Um, I don't know why Juan Agudelo didn't play at all in the last game. You know, we've not, I've not been told anything specific. Mm. Um, But I think Hassani needs to be central. I think, you know, Robin needs to be back in. I'd keep the back four the same. And uh, Will Trapp needs to be in there. So if he continues with his 4-2-3-1 and then you have Emmanuel Reynoso, where does that leave Ethan Finlay? Does that leave him the odd man out? And then you bring Jan Gregush back in centrally? Or do you have... I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> it is an interesting, I don't know. What would, what would you do? Well, well, it's an interesting
0: yeah. uh, debate to have, isn't it? Because, again, does Adrian opt to go with with three central midfielders given... Um, the way that the Rapids play, um, when they do express themselves and, and push on, um, and because of the altitude as well, is it, I wonder, is it a situation where they put an extra body in the centre of midfield, leaving room for Hassani Dotson, and, and one would assume Will Trapp would start and maybe Gregouche comes in. Um, and then perhaps you, you look at, um, at putting Reynoso and Lerd either side of a centre-forward. Um, maybe Lerd is the forward and Reynoso and Finlay are either side. It, it just depends, doesn't it, really? But um, the the point is is that the club have got options if they need to. The, do you know the one thing as well, Kendra, that wouldn't surprise me at all? And Well, no, it would surprise me, but at the, in the same vein, I wouldn't be shocked if Justin McMaster was given an opportunity as well because he has impressed since he's come on, and I know they've been cameo appearances, but, but he has come on and done well. Um, I wonder if perhaps now, away from home where there tends to be a little less pressure and you spoke of the naivety of some of the younger players as well. I wonder if away from home, Adrian's sister, Justin McMaster, you, you go and play. Just go and play and do your thing, you know? I, I do wonder but... Um,
1: where would no he doubt, be?
0: I would stick him... And, and this is... <laughs> and you know,
1: then who's out?
0: What day is it? It's Wednesday now, so, you know, we've still got a few days until <laughs> you understand who's available, but you know let's assume Robin Lu is available um i i would uh, I would put McMaster on the left hand side I would put l on um on the right with Reynoso underneath um, <laughs> and and if Agadillo is fit maybe you start Agudelo. but if if Agadillo isn't fit, then you would you would have to say if if he's not fit, then I would go with Lord up front. McMaster and Reynoso, either sides of, of Lurds, with the three central midfielders, Trap, Grigouche and, and Dodson. Um, because I think McMaster, um, I think he's he's new in the sense that I'm not sure there's... That there'll be data on him for sure, and people will, will have scouted him because, to our knowledge, he was going to go top three um, if it wasn't for the ACL injury in 2020. So people know him, but... Um, I just wonder if, if perhaps the Rapids wouldn't expect that. I don't know. And then you've got Ethan Finlay to bring off the bench if you need to as well. Plus Ramon Abila. Um, so <laughs> it's a tough I agree one.
1: with you. Th- I agree with you though. When you put that kind of those kind of players on the pitch together, even if they're slightly quote out of position, let's say what they're you know like a Robin Lloyd playing as a, as a number nine, right? Mm. I think they all have the same they're like-minded in how they like to play in advance and go forward. And they're all willing to do the work defensively, which I think is very important, especially when you look at this Colorado midfield and, you know, some of the, the players that they have. So I think that that could absolutely be a recipe for a win and for some goals, because I do think Hassani Dotson has the ability to shoot from distance or, you know, press on Jan Grish. If he, you know, gets his, Situation sorted and can and shoot on frame. That I think that's a good thing. But I think Justin McMaster is very similar in that possession oriented, good first touch, can find the spaces to do a little combination play with Renoso with Robin Lud. I think that can be a recipe for um, more fluidity in the attack, not just whipping balls in more than your chase Gaspar Roma Medjaniar overlapping runs whipping the ball into the box are a rarity and a luxury when you're forced to do that, but not what you're relying on to score goals. Um, And again, what I said before, they are all willing to work defensively and everybody that you just named there. And I think that makes a a big difference um, for the kind of a pressure that you can apply on the road. And I agree with you that there's less pressure normally when you're on the road. So why not start the rookie? But Mm. being 0-3, even though you're going on the road, there is a tremendous amount of pressure on this club right now. And I get it. It's only three games in but you just got to get this monkey off your back. And even if it's a draw, get a point, something, score a goal, get a draw, whatever it might be. I I like that, that idea of that lineup depending on who is available and healthy.
0: We'll wait and see reckless speculation again on this. (laughs) Just what we tend to do best. Uh, All right. Next up, we'll speak to Marcelo Balboa, the color analyst of Colorado Rapids and talk all things, the Rapids Minnesota United's next opponents on Saturday. We'll see you at the other end of the break. Minnesota United fans, download the Great Clips app to keep your hair game ready all year long. Great Clips, it's going to be great. And a very warm welcome back to the Match Preview podcast. Callum Williams alongside Kendra D St. Aubin. We thought now, given the Minnesota United side are playing Colorado Rapids, This coming weekend, we thought we'd bring in the soccer experts in Colorado, Mr. Colorado Soccer, I think it's safe to say some people call him, Uh, Marcelo Balboa. Uh,
2: Hello, how are you? Welcome to the podcast. I'm good. I'm usually known as the mountain guy, so known as the soccer guy in Colorado, I'm all right. I'm happy with that one. Thank you. Yes,
0: absolutely. Uh, No pressure then to deliver us some decent information on this podcast. No, (laughs) I'll give you just enough that you guys can't beat us. How's that? There we go. We'll we'll go with that, shall we? Also, apologies. You may very well hear the um, tornado sirens going off in the background. I promise you, well, at least to my knowledge, there's not a tornado at the moment. But we'll (laughs) wait and see. If I all of a sudden disappear, you know why. Um, So, uh, Marcelo, um, a decent start for Colorado Rapids this season. Good win in in inverted commas in Vancouver over the weekend. Uh, What have you made of
2: the Rapids so far? Um, You know, it's been a mixed bag let's just be honest with it. When uh, you go to Dallas and you've had chances to win, you couldn't finish it off. You get out of there with a tie. Uh, you come home, you go up one, nothing. You're not playing great soccer. Um, but the mentality of the group when it came out the second half, it was a little flat. And maybe like some teams, like we all do as ex-players, sometimes we overlook a team. God, it's a new franchise. We overlook it. And And Austin came in here and did what they needed to do. They did something a lot of teams haven't done. And they came in and pressed Colorado for almost 90 minutes. And uh, Colorado wasn't used to it. The game got stretched out. It wasn't Colorado's game. So the good thing is they bounced back. They went to play Vancouver in Salt Lake. And, and they grinded out a result. They were the better team. They created a lot of chances. Shinishiki had two or three really good looks in the first half. Just couldn't put it away. And then Rubio with a absolutely fantastic free kick. Gave Colorado the win, so listen. Uh, you take what you can get right now, but uh, Colorado has gotten better progressively, and that's probably the best showing they've had was against Vancouver.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Minnesota United fans might be able to relate to having a lot of chances and not capitalizing and finishing, and then also being taken off guard possibly by an expansion side in Austin that can stretch the team quite a bit. I think that might be one thing that um, the two clubs have in common is having just faced Austin, so. You know, just not that long ago. But what from this Colorado Rapids side is different than 2020? A couple new pieces. Kellen um, Costa may be back in the central position instead of that left back position. Sam Vines continues to have confidence. Barrios now. What, what, what can we expect to see different from this Rapid side than 2020? Kendra, I can't tell you that.
2: Those are little secrets <laughs> we have here. <laughs> no. Uh, listen, you can give uh, us some false information. The yeah. least on the wrong bet. Yeah, you know, we're going to put uh, Lawless is going to play left back this week. And uh, Rubio is going to play as the uh, seven. We're going to put uh, uh, maybe Drew Moore as a nine. And just to try some new things. No, listen, um, I, I don't think there's a lot of difference. I think the fact that they had a proper preseason, all of the teams had a proper preseason this year is something that's huge. Um, the one piece that we changed, and, and you, you notice that, is Michael Barrios. He has been a handful. He looks fit. He looks motivated. He's created a lot of chances. He just hasn't been able to put it in the back of the net. But um, when you see the last game, finds he's healthy. When Vines he's healthy, it's much easier for Costa to slip into the middle where he's naturally more comfortable, where he can go box to box. Him and Price have such good partnerships, so it frees up Anomaly to be able to go find the ball. And I think that's the important thing is finding anomaly on the ball. But uh, Sammy Vines has been a big part of the success of this team over the last year because of the fact is, listen, it's very hard to find a a young 21-year-old who has a left foot and has the stamina that he does to get up and down. And uh, when you find that, you got to lock it down. And and Colorado did.
0: You mentioned it earlier on about um, the Rapids um, and and pressing and how at times they've found it difficult for themselves to to deal with with teams that that high press. Yeah. Them. Minnesota United have done that in in previous years. Not so much this year. Would you perhaps suggest, Marcelo, that that's the the best way to get the the better of Colorado?
2: Um, not a lot of teams will come into into Colorado and open themselves and expose themselves like Austin did. Colorado did not take advantage of it that day, unfortunately, they created some chances. They were just not clinical in the final third. If they could have been, they could have maybe put that second one and put the game away, they didn't. And when you let a team like Austin hang around, they did a nice job of pressing. They were picking balls off in high areas where they were catching Colorado spread out. And listen, a little bit of luck goes a long way too. Let's be honest, a deflection, it goes into the goal. So there's a lot of things that went wrong that day. But um, I think a lot of teams are are pressing much higher up the field and trying to win the ball in, in that area where you're closer to goal. But uh, but I, I don't know if it's a weakness. I think it just depends on how you press, if you're willing to make the effort at altitude, because eventually it does get to you. The, the difference is now the teams are coming in day up. It doesn't affect you as much. Usually if you come in 24 hours before, it gets into your bloodstream. It's you know you can feel it. first fifteen minutes you're trying to catch a second wind. Right now, I don't feel like that's affected a lot of teams because of that twenty four hour period. They come in in the morning, they're playing by seven and and a lot of teams are flying. So it, it's important for Colorado to to keep the gas down, to keep the gas pedal down, but also to keep playing their game when they move when they veer away from their game. Then it's a little when they start moving into the longer balls, it's not it's not what Colorado wants. It's not what Minnesota wants. It's not the way they play either.
1: How would you say Robin Fraser has assessed this short time in 2021. Sometimes when I listen to him talk and I listen to the media availability, it's hard to under, you know, it's hard to really dig in and find <laughs> where he's at and his emotion. He seems very calculated and in his responses, he's very measured, but you yeah. see him up close and personal day in and, and day out in training sessions and whatnot. What, what, what is Robin Frazier's personality and how has he kind of, you know, put that onto his, onto his team? How do they carry that out?
2: You know, I, I was fortunate enough to play with Robin when we started our careers and uh, with the Foxes, the national team, and uh, what you see is what you get. That, that's that's Robin. Robin has done a very good job with this team, implementing his system, how he wants to play, finding players that are willing to do what he wants to do. Um, you don't see Robin on the bench screaming and yelling a lot. The players are understanding their the formation and the tactics that he wants, and it helps when out of the starting 11, Michael Barrios is really the only guy who they brought in and he picked up. And if you watch preseason, he picked up the system pretty quick. He's willing to make the runs. He's willing to defend. So I think it's been an easy process for Robin this past year. Um, When you get a new, it's not Chivas USA, that's for sure. So I think he's happy, very happy with that and no disrespect, but it was, that was, those were tough times for everybody. But I think Robin is very, very organized. He's, he's very direct in what he wants out of a player. If you need something, you can talk to Robin. He'll tell you exactly what he wants out of a system, where you're supposed to be, how we want to do this. His communication skills is very good with that group of players. And the young players understand it. They, they want to fight. They want to work. And they understand that the depth of this team, if you have a bad game or two, you could be sitting on the bench for quite a while. So I think Robin's not a screamer or a yeller. He's just a guy that is very good at communicating with this team throughout the week. So come Saturday, you can see he's not really yelling a lot of directions. He's just pointing a few things out that he sees throughout the game.
0: Diego Rubio, Marcelo, never really been a perennial goal scorer in Major League Soccer, but no doubt he's got a goal or two in him. Now the suggestion, at least from what I'm hearing, is because of the addition of Barrios and having a much more settled Eunice Namli, and having creativity behind him. That could very well change, and we could see Rubio having 10-plus this season. Obviously, that's a good thing for Colorado.
2: Um, Yeah, you know a That's a good question and and a difficult question because if you watch Rubio throughout the games, he drops into the midfield quite deep. As guys spread, he comes in, he's able to find that pocket. So by the time he turns and gets into the play with Barrios, who's going to catch Barrios when he's down on a full sprint? So can he score 10 goals? 100%. Um, but I think when you watch Colorado, the goal, the opportunities are going to be spread out. If you saw last week with Shinny we've seen Jonathan Lewis down the left-hand side in the second half, being able to get in, not being able to finish and capitalize that. We've seen Rubio get in. We've seen Nomaly getting in those good positions. So I think when you look at Colorado's attack, it's not, okay, it's not focused on this guy's going to score 15. He's our guy. He's our perennial goal scorer. I look at this group as it's a threat along the front line. Is it possible that you can have a guy that can score 10 goals? I do. I do. But I I think you're going to see five, six, between five and 10 goals along that front line, each player. And of course, nominally with a few goals, center backs with a few goals. But I don't think we have that focal, this isn't Higuain, this isn't those kind of players. This isn't Reese Diaz. That's not what Rubio does. So Rubio is a team player. You'll see him drop in, flicking balls on, dropping into the midfield to open up room for Acosta to go through the middle. So it's very unselfish what he does, but that's what the team needs.
1: Who do you expect to see more from this this season, we saw Cole Bassett last year had a fantastic season. Andre Shinishiki, Rookie of the Year in 2019, but then had maybe a little bit of a sophomore slump, but it was a weird 2020. Yeah, Who who does this club need to see more from in 2021?
2: We need to see more fans. <laughs> That's what we need to see. <laughs> I got to say, I'll be honest with you, the other day when we played at home, even though we lost to, to Austin, it was so incredible to have that atmosphere back in the stadium. It just... It it just lit up everything, and that's what it's about. But in order for for Colorado to – I mean, I don't think there's one guy you can say we need to lean on him. Um, I think it's going to be important for Price to stay healthy. That's our captain. That's our leader. He's the guy that that sends a message to people. When you need somebody to stick somebody, Price he has got his leg in there, Acosta, depending on national team. But for me, it's Barrios. Barrios and Shinishiki because they're the ones that give service into Rubio. And if you watch the way they have played, the way they interchange, the way they're looking for each other, it's not like that selfish. I'm going to get the ball and I'm gone and I'm running. And I'm going to score. They're always looking constantly for each other. I think everybody, every other position, we've got some pretty good depth up front. When you spend the money and you bring in a guy like Barrios, he's got to be a key figure. Rubio, he may be gone for, for some international duties with, uh, with Chile, so but the the core for me is is Pricey has to stay healthy. He's our captain. He leads us, uh, and the three guys up top because they're they're fast. They're dangerous. They can get in behind lines, and if you you know what is if if you can't break that back line, you're you're not going to score a goal.
0: Marcelo, let me ask you this: um, for Minnesota United, over the first three games, they've had fifty-three shots nine of them on target and just the one goal to boast to their name. I know in the past you've played on some very successful teams, but there were one or two periods of seasons where you played on teams that that also created so many chances and were unable to (sighs) find the back of the net. How do you as a player, psychologically, physically, how do you get through a period like this?
2: Well, I've played on a few teams that couldn't score goals, let me tell you. So um, (laughs) um, it's difficult because watching that last game, um, I thought it was good. I thought it was good up three quarters of the field. I thought that final third, it was like they were lost. They were confused. They couldn't 13 13 shots, but only two on target in 90 minutes. That, that shows me a team that is a little confused in their running, a little confused in their movements, um, a team that plays well leading up to that final third. But listen, it's like anything else. We all go through those slumps. Teams go through those slumps where they can't score goals. They can't put it in the back of the net. Um, is can you fight that? Do they have the right mentality to fight through it and keep pushing and pushing? Because Minnesota's talented. You've got some great players on that group. Maybe you lost a player or two There were key players, but you replace those players. It happens to everybody. But it, I, I got to say, watching you guys, I, I'm surprised you haven't won a game at Minnesota just because of the way you move. And sometimes, you know what, it looks a little unorthodox. It looks a little a little bit of a mayhem in there. But uh, I, I'd say this, you, if you don't win in the next two or three games, then, then there's a big issue there. There's a huge issue there because you can't, listen, I know there's no relegation, but this regionalized Western conference where you're only playing three games from the Eastern conference, you've got three hiccups. You've got three mistakes. If you keep losing, you put yourself that far out of a playoff race, you, you could be in trouble. So, They've got to find and Listen, it doesn't have to be pretty for Minnesota. They just got to find a way to win in two weeks from now.
1: That, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not not this weekend. We get it. We get it. We got it. We got it. We got it. I was it.
2: waiting to see if you caught that. Yeah,
1: every, everybody's scrapping and clawing right now. Um, you know, is is that in your your from your perspective watching Minnesota from an outside point of view and also as a former player and and as a coach, is it just Goals will change this, we'll turn this around. you know I mean, sometimes I feel like it's as simple as they just need to put one away, and then this monkey will be off their back. But from your perspective, what you've seen in the teams that you've played on is is it that simple or does it need to be a more uh permanent shift in you know how they're going to accomplish these things, and it can't just be a one off goal or a one off win
2: listen a, a win, a win changes everything, a win changes the mentality, your mindset, it changes your energy. So it doesn't matter how you win. The important thing, it, it could be deflected, hits off your heel, and it goes in the back of the net. You win one nothing. For me, you have to start with getting a win and see how it goes from there. If, if you win a game and it doesn't really change the next game or the game after that, it doesn't bring that energy, then there's got to be a change somewhere. Be it players, maybe you have to rotate players, maybe it's in a coaching staff. I, that's, that's a decision for the Minnesota uh, front office. But uh, a win is a win win changes mentality changes your mood in the locker room it takes like you said it takes that stress off your shoulders so i i think that's what minnesota's waiting for they're waiting for that one win that one win to see what it sparks and you know we've seen teams win one game and then they went five in a row
0: perhaps a new signing and a new bit of energy in the dressing room may very well help them turn the corner
2: um if the right player is signed, yes, 100%. Not just a signing, uh, the sure. right player for what Minnesota is looking for. Because when you look at, at Finley and Trap, and you're looking at, at guys like Reynoso, that's some that's some pretty talented players already right there. So you're looking at box. So you're looking at quite a few good players. But uh, you can have the best players in the world. But if you don't put the ball in the back of the net, you're not going to win. So like I said, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, who you sign, it, it's got to be the right fit. It's got to be the guy that's wanting to score goals or wanting to defend that wants to be with the club, not just here on uh, on on loan thinking I'm going to be here for a year and they're going to sell me. There, there's a lot of factors that go into it. But uh, for me, uh, a signing, the right signing could spark a group, yes.
0: I know I've, we've got to follow up with this question as well, Marcel, because I know you're an expert in the Conmebol region. Um, <laughs> Minnesota United were um, very active in the off season, and they brought in Ramon Abila from Boca Juniors yeah. on yeah. And, and obviously, he comes with a reputation. He comes with a, a very good reputation in terms of scoring goals. Yes. You mentioned earlier on in terms of wants and a lust for goals and um, fitting in the system. Was it a surprise to you that Minnesota went with somebody like Ramon Avila?
2: Listen, when you have an opportunity to buy a goal score, uh, you have to take a chance. Listen, not every signing is going to work out, but when you've got a proven goal score, if you go by reputation and all that, you're going to question a lot of guys to give, that, that you buy. So Avila, for me, is a guy that can score goals. He needs the service. Um, when, when you're not playing particularly well and you're not getting the service, you get frustrated as a forward, you start dropping back into the midfield and you start doing things you normally don't do because you want the ball as a forward. And I'm not a forward, but knowing forwards and listening to them talk. And when they when they get frustrated, they don't get the ball, they drop into the midfield. The worst thing that can happen to Avila is for him to drop into the midfield because he's dangerous up top. He makes good runs. He's intelligent. He, he's He's physical. So um, I, it didn't surprise me. I, I thought it was a good signing. I think if he didn't sign there, there would have been another team or two that might have been interested in him because, listen, we're all looking for goal scorers, a pure goal scorer, and that's what he is.
1: Well, and to that point, Marcelo, when we look at the Colorado Rapids roster, and you talk, we've talked a lot about you know Diego Rubio already, but yep. where do you see Shinichiki's Shiki's role in that facet? You talked about him giving service, but centrally, goal scoring... Um, I know he changed. Did he change his number this year? Did he, he just switch it up to the to nine. number nine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Third season.
2: Ooh, I think you froze it, but we were talking about uh, about the growth. Yeah, sorry. Growth. Yes. Yeah, no, it's yes. all good. <laughs> um, his role is going to be either the seven to the eleven. His job is to create opportunities on goal. His job is to to create assists, fouls, score goals. Um, again, uh, this is a guy who rookie of the year struggled last year, but everybody struggled last year. This year, I tell you what, he, he's different mentality. He came in fit. He's ready to go. When they take him off the field, you can see he's not happy. He has that attitude now that he wants to play a full 90 minutes. Um, he's got to be somewhere between five and 10 goals. And he's got to be somewhere between, I would say, eight to 12 assists this year. That's a successful year for him. He's a guy that can play on the right side. He can play on the left. When Rubio's gone, I would expect Shinishiki to play that nine role because he likes playing that nine role. He played it in college. He played it a few times for the Rapids. So he's got a big role this year because if you look at the depth that we have, you look at Benize on the outside, you look at Jonathan Lewis on the outside, you can put Nomale on the outside and do some things. So there's a lot of depth in this group on the outside. So I think the pressure of him having to perform every week is a good thing because knowing that it takes a game or two, he doesn't do well. Jonathan Lewis is going to get that start. So I think that bit of pressure, um, like, like everybody else, everybody likes a little bit of competition. No one likes an easy ride where you know every week I'm going to start. There's no, the pressure makes you better. The pressure makes you perform. And, and so far, Shinny performed.
0: Wonderful. Uh, Marcelo, before we let you go, one final question for you. In your minds, what does a good season look like for Colorado Rapids this
2: year? Playoffs. No ifs, buts about it. You can't go. We talk about consistency in this club. Um, we've already moved in the right direction. If you look at all the youth players we have signed, uh, homegrowns that we've looked at and we've put on contracts that are, that are starting to play, that was a focus of this group. But at the end of the day, Uh, The only way you can show that's working is by making the playoffs. Seven teams make the playoffs. So uh, making the playoffs one year and not making them for the next two or three years is not good enough anymore. Uh, Consistency for this club, consistency with making the playoffs. So making the playoffs. And we keep saying, well, we need to win one game in the playoffs. I, I, you know, I agree, but I disagree. If we're going to make the playoffs, then we're going to fight for a damn championship. That's, that's the way the mentality has got to be. It's not, just getting to the playoffs just getting to the playoffs anymore is not good enough it's not good enough i don't think for any club team so if you're not fighting for that championship every year then then you need to switch it up a little bit especially your mentality that's my opinion and it might be wrong i may be people agree people disagree i'm okay with that but i don't go into a season thinking oh playoffs and we're good no championship we're going to fight for something this year we're going to fight for an mls cup that's what we all want so for colorado my expectations is for Colorado to make the playoffs and fight for a championship.
0: Love the competitive nature of this league now, because everybody thinks yes. that way. I don't. I
2: listen, exactly. If you don't think like that, listen, making the playoffs in this league, uh, seven teams, I think 13, 14, half the teams make it. Is that, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know if that's good enough anymore. It's not for me. As a former player, as a broadcaster, as a 14 coach, that's, for me, that's not okay anymore. I mean, I want to win. I want a championship. When I read, when I retired, I wanted to leave a legacy and it was trying to win. Even at the USL level, at the WSL level, you guys probably were not even born when I was playing, but that's okay. Or most of your listeners, it's fine. <laughs> when I played for the Nomads, it was about winning a championship. When I played for the Foxes, it was about winning a championship. When I played for the Blackhawks, champions for the Rapids. Listen, no one gave us a chance. We made it all the way to the final. We wanted to win that championship. So, um, listen, if you fall short, I'm okay with that. But in your mind you've got to be fighting every day to reach that final. And I don't think we'll have that strong, that kind of mentality until this relegation, because when you feel, when you feel that pressure day in and day out, and I felt that in Mexico, I didn't know what it was like. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know because I played here in the, in the leagues, the second leagues. And well, the top league at the time, which was the W the Western soccer lines. I didn't really realize what it was like until I went to Mexico and the president's like, okay, we need to win this game. Relegation is three points away from us. I mean, all of a sudden, it's every week you step on the field, you need a result. And uh, and I think I'm blessed that I was never relegated with Leon. But the pressure of having to fight every game till the end, uh, it changes the way you play, the way you think the game, the way you breathe the game. And it's also nice when the president walks in with cash bonuses. That, that always helps a little bit. <laughs> uh, in terms of the relegation stuff, a debate
0: for another day. I'm sure we could go on for another hour or so talking about it. I, I get the feeling the three of us won't struggle to talk about soccer <laughs> for another hour or so. So we'll leave it there. Um, Marcelo, thank you very much indeed. Uh, MLS Legend, Marcelo Babo thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate it. My thanks to Kendra D. St. Aubin our producer, uh, Tyson Hill. Minnesota, on the road this weekend to Colorado Rapids. Looking forward to your company. We'll see you there. Ciao,